Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have another episode of our Sports Digita series here with uh, president of Sports Digita, Corey Factor. And we're going to get into a little bit of everything AI, artificial intelligence, how it's impacting not only the technology sector, the sales sector of sports and entertainment, uh, but nonetheless, Corey, excited to dive into everything tech. Great, Jake. Great to be here. So let's just let's start off with a little bit of your background, just so the listeners get an understanding of, hey, you've been at Sports Digita for about eight years now. Um, but prior to that, some of your experience outside of the sports world and, and what you've learned uh, coming into the kind of the sports tangential world so far. Yeah, I've been uh, with the company for eight years, so eight years in sports, and I feel like a total, like this is my rookie season still. Um, it's just a, a very unique industry. So my background prior to that has been in uh, B2B uh, SaaS since uh, 1999, I guess. So I started my first company in 1999 um, and been in the B2B SaaS world ever ever since then. So uh, yeah, sports was definitely a, a different industry. Um, I think there's a, a lot of things that are, are different about it, but um, one of the most unique things is uh, no two sports teams seem to operate quite the same. Um, you know, some are very, very driven by on the field activity, less so on the back office. Others are very driven by the back office and everyone's a, a little bit uh, unique in that regard. So still learning a lot about it. Um, it's a constant state of change too. It seems like there's thematic things every year that are sort of the, the, the hot topics uh, in sports. Um, and they're impacted heavily by consumer behavior change um, as well. So it's a really fascinating, fun industry to be involved. And like I said, still learning a lot about it. When you think about the the technology space and and you mentioned the b2b SaaS. so for someone listening who doesn't know what b2b SaaS is right uh, can you explain that to them and hey what's what's the general concept in in the tech space of what SaaS will do for customers yeah so uh, b2b is basically uh, um, all the companies that have been heavily involved with um do not have applications for consumers so, so it's B2B companies uh, looking to sell to um, other businesses versus direct to consumer uh, businesses. Um, so we 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 tend to not get the headlines. Um, you know, we're not fa- Facebook. I'm I'm not a social media uh, platform sort of guy. So it's all the back office. I mean, everybody knows who Salesforce is, and that's the 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 sort of start of it all when it comes to SaaS, which you can you know substitute SaaS for cloud based. You know, when we went from shipping CDs with their software on it to uh, just uh, provisioning it in the cloud, um, that's what I've been up to the last 25 years or so. And when you think about taking that experience into sports, you know, let's just call it what it is, right? Sports is is usually 
a little bit behind the times on the tech front compared to other sectors. But as you mentioned, it's always changing constantly with consumer behavior. So there's also this need to catch up to uh, not only the present time, but also predict the future in a bit of what's to come. Um, what have you learned in talking to all these different executives and, and working with these organizations? What can they do better uh, mm -hmm. within the sports landscape as far as embracing change, embracing technology? Uh, and, and then we'll get into a little bit of an AI conversation here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first couple of years in the sports industry, I, I would have agreed with you that it, it felt like they were very behind the times in, in technology adoption, but I don't know that that's really true. I think it's just um, where their focus on technology tends to be in different areas. So they may have not migrated their back, back office functions to the cloud for 10 years after most of the other industries. But boy, they had sensors on, on, on players on the field really, really early on. So the innovation is just tends to be in different areas than than what I was used to in in other industries for for sure. Um, so the but it's changing quickly. I mean, even in the last five years, the um, priority of converting to um, digital for everything is really really accelerated. And there's some benefit to being a little bit behind the curve because you get to the benefit of all the learnings that the entire uh, SaaS industry has gone through over the last 10 years versus being along for some of the bumps and bruises uh, uh, of that ride. Um, so that's been really interesting to watch. And there's some teams that are doing uh, amazing things. Um, I think about the the Padres that, that we work with. Uh, they're very innovative, very technology leaning in. Um, and, and so it's not 100% universal that they're, they're behind on the times. Um, and certainly they've caught up a lot, in my opinion, over the last three to four years. And obviously pandemic being a little bit of a force of change there on the digital front. But as you, you know, you're talking about being able to see other people go through the bumps of, of testing some of these technologies out. As you've worked with different companies across the board, what's what's the change factor of, hey, we want to be the first and try this out versus, hey, we're going to sit back, let, let everybody else try it out. And then once it's, you know, ready to go, we're in. Yeah. Well, I think that the interesting thing about sports is um, I just got back from a, from a, a Gartner um, sales conference and it was all about um, sales leadership and how to, uh, to enable your, your sales team to be more effective. And, um, the biggest challenge in most challenge most companies are facing is they've deployed all this technology over COVID and, and and now they have sellers that have anywhere from five to eight different technology platforms that they're expecting their sellers to use. And so that that's not good either is is expecting our salespeople to to perfect eight different uh, platforms. And it seems to me when when in the sports industry, they, they tend to take on one project at a time. So it may be slower, but it's probably the, the right approach to be a little bit more methodical. You know, on average, it's about 30% of SaaS expenditures, meaning on technology platforms um, for sales and marketing teams don't get used. And so if you're buying 10 tools, you're probably really only getting the value out of seven of, of, of those tools. 
And so I think there's something to be said for going slow to go fast and make sure you perfect the ones that you have before you move on. And I see a, a little bit more of a pro pragmatic approach in sports, which is good for everybody. Frankly, it's good for us as a vendor as well. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. I think I think it's an incredible approach of, you know, also simplifying the process too, right? Like technology is shiny. It can be new. It can seem great. But then, you know, there are learning curves, not only with the product itself, but the people using the product, right? Like if right. the technology can be great, but if your people can't use it, right? <laughs> because there's a massive learning curve, then it's not necessarily doing what you maybe set out to do. Now, there's certainly the you know, adaption to change and, and, you know, learning curve over time. Uh, and ultimately there might be a couple of bumps in the road to get to a, a more efficient, effective automated place. Right. So there, there's certainly a process there, but um, artificial intelligence has been a conversation as we were talking before this, it's a hot, it's a hot topic right now, but it's mm -hmm. been a conversation for a while, as you were mentioning. Yeah, I think it's been more of a, um, for us uh, geeks to geek out about it and then sort of the back room, we've been using it for, for years from my infrastructure and several other areas. But, you know, like any any trendy topic, it typical, typically starts with the consumer. So all of a sudden you have, you know, 100 million plus people using AI as consumers um, on their own. It's going to drive the buzz and the visibility of it as well. And I think that that's why it's such a hot topic right now is this technology is now in the hands of anybody including you know people like like my mom who is 72 years old is, is like hey have you tried this ai so you know it's reached a real inflection point when it's re reaching that that sort of audience um so yeah it's a very fun time it's a great time to be in in technology i, I think that the for me personally the excitement is about the access to ai um and, and that's why i think it's going to be such a huge shift um and such a huge change is because the access is so ubiquitous across not only individuals to to just go to chat gpt and try it out but for an infrastructure pro, uh, um, standpoint for companies like ours you know we're a, a 70 80 employee now for us to go out and build all of our own AI infrastructure is still a pretty big task. But now that the with OpenAI and some of the other AI um, companies that are out there, it's very easy to integrate with and leverage all of that work that's been done. And that's why you're going to get this huge multiplier effect in, in, in the exposure of it. When you think about what it does on the consumer end, but then take that a, a layer deeper and go, okay, within the workplace, what does that mean, right? Like, obviously you've been using it on, uh, uh, for years on, on the back end of, you know, things that people don't see, right? To ultimately get the tech products to work and so on and so forth. But what, what does that mean for sales outreach? What does that mean right. for um, training and development as far as, you know, not only sales professionals in the industry, but, but others too? Yeah, so I think there's a there's a couple of different ways I think about AI. <clears throat> One is just standalone. So there's some AI machine that's doing things in the background that people don't really interact with. Um, and the other is um, we just launched our AI um, feature set on uh, Monday, I guess it was, 
and we call it AI assist, and we do that very intentionally, is that we think it's going to really assist the users. We don't think it stands alone um, for this particular use case, and we think it's going to help automate um, the processing and the interpretation of data. So if it's generative AI, it's going to help you write faster. It's going to help you become more of an editor than a writer. Um, so it'll give you a starting point, but you're still going to be there as a human to actually, you know, polish it up, finish it, finish it off. So I think from a sales outreach standpoint, it's going to give you access to all the data that we have in a much more efficient manner. Um, that's really the way I look at AI for that use case. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a, a point where we're going to have auto-generated emails in a sales conversation um, that are going to be ungated. Now, maybe from a prospecting standpoint, but you still you still need the human touch on, on it. It should just help automate that process quite a bit. Um, we've launched some pretty interesting feature sets um, that will take as much data as we have available and, and help get the content prepped and hopefully get you 90% of the way there, but we'll never have an auto send from, from AI for a actual sales use case. Top of funnel sort of prospecting, sure, but in a in a actual sales process, likely not. So I think the, the largest impact is just gonna be the gains in, in efficiency. So for example, if, if you're using our platform and um, you're, uh, just had a meeting and you want to summarize the meeting notes and reflect that back in sort of a next steps uh, presentation, you can put in all your transcripts from the meetings and it'll generate the, the meeting summary for you. You're probably not going to click on send. You're probably going to tweak it a little bit, but it just saves you time in, in condensing all of that data. It happens to be meeting notes, but it's still just data into something that you can quickly fine tune and, and, and get out the door. I think that's going to be the most visible uh, from a, a user salesperson standpoint. Is a lot more of the efficient processes that are, you know, they're they're important, right, to anybody in terms of um, making sure that they're doing all the right things along the way. But to your point, if you could save an hour every day by having some auto-generated outreach. Mm -hmm. And then auto-generated follow-up, right? I mean, there's right. there's ways to to set it up, I'd imagine. But when you think about separating yourself, you know, from all of the clutter, like how do you, on the other end, recognize if it's used AI or not, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that'll be kind of one of the difficult parts. Is you know, are are people not going to need you know, as, as polished writing skills anymore coming up because they don't have to. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, and I think that's been true for a while, right? I don't know if you've ever used Grammarly, but I've been using that for, for years and I've gotten pretty sloppy. If I have, if I have to write something down on paper, I can tell you it, it doesn't, it doesn't read as well as it does if I do it digitally. Um, and so I think it's kind of a continuation of that for sure. Um, but you know, again, it's just assisting the human versus replacing for, for the, that, those needs. And people talk all the time about AI is going to help us create more content. I, I, I don't know that we need a lot more content. I don't know about you, but there's I, a lot of content. There's a lot of content I get fed every day. 
Um, and so I, I think that um, it will help cr create some of that content more efficiently, but hopefully not just more content, because I don't think volume of content is, is really that big of a problem. And I'm particularly talking about text-based content. Um, we could talk about audio-visual uh, content separately. That's a whole different ball game. I'm really talking about a written uh, text. Yeah, I think that influx of emails and spam text and all, all the different things that you get, right? I mean, it's it's uh, increasing, you know, by the month. But um, when you think about again the partners that you're you're working with, you're talking with, you're understanding some of their challenges of the businesses and whatnot. How do you think AI is going to be as widely used across the sports business landscape? Is it is it the sales area that it's most widely used? Is it in tech integrations for you know fan engagement or or tech adoption within you know the fan bases. Yeah, I think there's the you know if you look at the the mass of, of people in this industry working in whatever position in sports, I think that there's going to be a big impact that's not highly visible to a lot lot of people. Uh, meaning that it doesn't mean that. Uh, everybody's going to be interacting with the AI, but they're probably going to be benefiting from it in ways they, they don't even re really know, um, particularly in the areas of, of data. So anytime you're talking about big data, um, AI is going to help with that tremendously. So understanding the fan base more, understanding uh, the demographics uh, better, um, understanding how to take action against those. I think AI is going to assist in that a ton, uh, but that's not necessarily every person at every every team is going to actually get exposure to that. Um, so, you know, I think if you fast forward probably as short as three to four years from now, everybody's going to be using AI, whether they know it or not. Um, it, it's going to be built into your basic tools like email and calendar. Um, you're going to start seeing user interfaces that are AI driven. Um, for, for example, um, we're just working on uh, designing out some of our reporting interfaces. And we kind of said, okay, let's not have like filters and traditional sort of reporting mechanisms in them let's make it ai based so the user can literally ask a question and get a response now <clears throat> somebody might use that and not even realize they're using a we're using ai to to generate that data but it'll change the entire user experience um, as well so i think it's it exactly where it's going to be used the most hard saying i you know typically follow the money so it's probably going to be uh, on the fan engagement side, it's definitely going to be in sports betting. Um, it's going to be massive in, in sports betting. Um, it's going to be, it, it's hard to say where it's going to be used the most because it's going to be used everywhere. It, it's, you know, in the sports training, the, the um, individual athlete analysis, um, it, it's going to be really, really widespread. And it, in a lot of ways it is already. Um, so I think there's a big difference between where it's going to be used and where, where it's highly visible. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point on the, on the visibility part, right? Like there's a lot of things within the technology space that already have existed for 10 plus years. You just don't know it. Right. right. And, and there's, there's a lot on the back end to help, uh, you know, continue that along as far as, um, you know, 
the to your point, the user interfaces will change with with things, right? You get the update on something and and all of a sudden it changes and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like you have no idea how or why, but right, right. it does. Um if I did have to pick one area where I think it'll be used the most is probably in um helping with the interpretation of big data. And I know that's kind of generic, but but that's really where I think it'll make the most impact. Um, and because there's so much data available already today with, you know, everybody, um, everybody has content online, they have activities they're doing online. We are still just scratching the surface on making that actionable. Um, great, I've got all this data about how do I take actions against it. And I think AI is going to impact that in, in a really big way. On when you talk about the data component, yes, there's the on the field data component, which is continuously increasing with all of the the tracing and and you know AWS analytics, all all of that stuff mm -hmm. uh, that people sometimes see through telecast. But there's a lot more behind the scenes uh, within the player development side, right, and the scouting side. Right. And then you go to the business side, and you go, okay, to your point, there's a lot more touch points for the fan now. Right, the touch point from a digital to a social to uh, on site um, with what they're engaging with, you know, digitally on site, right? Like there's there's so many different ways, and then you you know you factor in the ticketing component, right, of where they're going and and what they're spending or, or whatever the case might be. Um, it's almost overload, but in mm -hmm. a way, the AI hopefully uh, will help, you know siphon that down to be understandable in a way. Yeah, and, and provide access to people that formerly didn't have the access. And, that, and I think that, you know, just a simple use case uh, I was thinking about and talking about with a colleague the other day is, imagine you're, you're a, a marketer for a team and you want to target a very specific audience. What does that look like today? We create some custom reports. We talk to the BI people and say, can you produce this reports? I think where that'll change is they'll now have an interface that, that says, uh, of our fan base, who is likely to go uh, to a game on a Tuesday afternoon and purchase their ticket within less than 24 hours before the game um, on this time of year, against this type of opponent, you will type that out and you'll get all that data back, right? So it'll, it'll help provide access to that data in a much more efficient manner to people that do not need to be trained on how to run a report. Um, so that's the kind of use cases I think are, are really exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. And as someone who works on the back end with a bunch of data as well, Good data in, good data out. Bad data right. in, bad data out. How how will people be able to understand what they're using if they don't, if they're not able to really dive into the back end, right, and see right. what's actually pulling? Hey, I get a percentage. Okay, but what's the context behind that, mm -hmm. right? Like that can be a little bit dangerous. Yeah, for, for sure. And it, you know, we, it's those good data in good data out bad data in, bad data out is you know a cliche for for ever and we and crm is the biggest culprit of that you know if your salespeople aren't putting in good data inside your crm you can't get good data out the back end we see this all the time um but i think that the key is you have to provide what the value of good data is 
Um, and once you get a little bit of that value, then all of a sudden you get, become much more motivated to make sure it's good data going in because there's a real purpose to it. Um, so an analogy to that is within our platform, if you create the presentation from your CRM, we can take the account name and automatically put that in the presentation. Well, what we found is a lot of times the salesperson was taking shortcuts or maybe they use the acronym or it's not the actual correct name of the account even. Well, now they have a purpose and a value of doing that correctly because it's repurposing that. And so I think as soon as you start to see the value that can come from really good data, uh, the priority of making that data good when it goes in and becomes much, much higher. And a lot of teams have got this right already. And this isn't isn't new. So I think they're pretty far along in terms of getting good data in. Yeah, I think the, the data component is interesting how it will continue to evolve, right? The analytics staffs at teams and leagues are continuing to grow and grow and grow, right? And, and you have more to make actionable insights to help decision-making and so on and so forth. Um, as we wrap up the episode, what's the one thing that you're looking forward to? You know, you mentioned three, four years of, of what's like this, the large impact, but outside of AI, in the tech space, mm -hmm. um, what what is the technology that, you know, again, AI is getting a bunch of the buzz right now, but what else should we be looking out for, keeping an eye on, on how it will help not only just the consumer uh, or, or the person, you know, within an organization, but um, even just help, you know, optimize processes or automate things. Yeah, I, th I think the the thing that's going to be really exciting um, is the change in, in user experience. Um, how you interface with software is, is going to be driven largely by the capabilities of AI. And I think that's going to be fascinating. Um, um, how can we change the user experience to not be, I click here, I check a box here. Um, I think that's going to be really amazing. Um, and I think it's going to take a little bit to, to catch on to that new UX experience. Um, but it, like all things technology, it'll probably be here a lot quicker than, than, than I think. Um, I think that's going to be fascinating. Just watch the user experience change based off AI. Um, and again, people might not know it's AI that's powering that change in user experience, um, but it definitely will be. And and what else are you looking at? Like, how do you how do you learn about the upcoming technologies? Is you know, I know, I know you mentioned you came from a conference, right? But like, mm -hmm. what are you doing to stay up to date on technology? If you're listening to this and you're in that field, what are what are some of the best practices you you find? Um, whether it's, you know, talking to different colleagues and in, in, in and outside of sports. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides uh, of that. Uh, I think it's really important to, to um, not just talk to technology experts, but actually talk to people that are the users of, of the technology as well. So I spend a lot of time with their customers understanding what their view of the world is. Um, and then in it, it's so great to have COVID over where we actually have conferences again, of course, um, but it, it's not easy. I have a, a peer group of people that we kind of help keep each other updated on, on trends, um, both inside the company and outside of the company. 
and you can learn an awful lot in a conversation that would take you hours of 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 reading articles uh, on LinkedIn. So the peer group is is really really important, particularly if you get a peer group that consists of people from a variety of industries, um, because what's hot in sports may not not be so hot in, in financial services, um, and so that's really important. Uh, if I talk to people just in our industry. Definitely, we'll learn some things, but it'll typically be the same things that I'm hearing uh, from my internal team. So the peer group um, is is really important. I rely on that quite a bit. There's lots of happy hours and just open conversation about uh, what's going on in the industry. Love it. Well, Corey, really appreciate the perspectives, insights on AI, kind of the impact of technology within the sports landscape um, and even within your own products uh, at Sports Digita. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing what it brings in the future with uh, your AI assist and, and others, uh, but welcome you up back on anytime in the, in the near future. I'd be happy to do so, Jake. It was fun. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.